0: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast, with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a silver linings edition of the HHC, Hornets falling to division rivals the Miami Heat, 116-114 to 114 was the final score. It was as close as it sounds, a thrilling contest. Hornets gave themselves a couple of looks at either game tying or game leading shots. Unfortunately, come up just a little bit short against the Miami Heat. Miami now improving to 13 and 10 overall this season. They maintain a top 10 position in the Eastern Conference and improved to 2 and 0 against Charlotte. Hornets are now unfortunately 0 and 2 head to head against the Heat. Really game performance. Uh, they've kind of separated themselves from the basement of the Eastern Conference, but not quite yet climbed up to a top. Top 10 spot. We'll break down the game, we'll select our silver linings, and quite a few milestones met by different Hornets players. We'll break them all down for you, decide which one was the most meaningful from last night's loss. Helping me on all of these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, here with us once again on the HHC. Rob, good as always to talk to you. Sad that it's in a silver lines performance, but what a game overall. Uh, Charlotte showing a lot of fight and determination down most of the game by as many as 14 points the heat. Never let their foot off the gas in terms of trying to make that comeback and got it within a one possession game for the closing moments. Very exciting always. It's a make-miss league. A couple of makeable shots didn't go down for the Hornets, and the Heat escaped with a victory. But all in all, I think a really solid game from a Charlotte Hornets the team that hopefully is starting to turn a corner here.
1: Yeah, and the way I summed it up after the game yesterday on the post-game show was kind of a the Hornets didn't lose. They just kind of ran out of time, and I know that may sound tongue-in-cheek and kind of maybe a little bit too optimistic, but again, this team had a lot of fight in it last night. I know that they didn't really have a lead for the majority of the game. They led it at 4-3 to with like 10 minutes left to go in the first quarter, and that was the last lead that they had. They tied it at 33, just couldn't quite get it over the hump. They tied it at 33, uh, three minutes into the second quarter, and, yeah, they got it within one point several times. They just simply could not get over that hump there in that fourth quarter. But, I mean, they played strong. They shot 56.5% from the field in the fourth quarter, 5 of 11 from 3, 6 of 7 at the free throw line, all that coming in the fourth quarter. They outscored Miami by 10 in that fourth stands as well, 37 to 27, and just... Again, went into the locker room down nine, just two points too many. Obviously, considering the final score, but yeah, I mean, I thought that they finished the game very strong. They gave themselves an opportunity here, and again, Miami's Miami. This is a team that's known how to win for a very long time. They have a lot of veterans and a lot of savvy veterans on that team. And after the game, Eric Spolcher was asked about the strategy that Miami had there late in the contest, where they were fouling Terry Rozier so he couldn't put a three-point shot up to tie it. So they kind of had to play that foul a player, send them to the free throw line to keep that one-point possession and then force the Hornets to kind of go into hack-a-shack or whatever you want to call it to just extend the game. But they were not going to allow the Hornets to tie the game just because they were fouling to give up two points instead of three. So it was interesting, after the game, Eric Spolster said that that was Jimmy Butler's idea when they went into the huddle and said, I'm comfortable doing this and being smart with it. So that just kind of goes and shows you the veteran leadership that this Miami team has and there's a reason why they were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year I mean there's a reason why they went on that big run last season so it stinks because it's a team that you see four times every season it just seems like the Hornets can't quite pick one up against them I know they went one and three against them last year they did pick up a win but I mean the two times that they played them so far this year I mean it's combined single digits they lost what 111 to 105 the first time around last month last night 116 to 114 so I mean the good news is that we have this game coming up tomorrow Against Miami, which is good because it's almost like baseball in a sense where if you lose one, you pick up yourself up off the horse the next day and you're going to go play that same team again. Kind of a similar situation here for Charlotte, but heck of a game, heck of an effort by the Hornets. Just again, make miss league. Like you said, couldn't come
0: out on top that strategy employed by Jimmy Butler. That might have been the only way to slow Terry Rozier down late because he had a monumental stat line. 34 points, career high tying, 13 assists. He knocked down eight of his 13 three point attempts. Uh, he was magnificent all night long. Here is his recap of how the game went down last night, Terry, after a close call loss to the Heat. I
1: think we did all the right things. Um, you know, just obviously we just fell short, you know, to a, a very disciplined team. You know, a team like this, they don't really give too many possessions away. So, you know, when you turn the ball over and you're not getting the best looks for your team, is you put yourself in a, in a tough position because these guys are – very disciplined
0: offense and defensively. I really think this is the right way to look at it because too often people delight too much in, in taking the result of a game and extrapolating that to say one team played well, one team didn't. You know, Good and bad and and, and all that and the and the rest. Charlotte played a good game. Miami played a good game. There are some specific things that are, are really, we harped on it before the contest and throughout because the strength for Miami is their efficiency at the foul line and their ability to get there. It's a stat that's born true most of the season. Charlotte has not been good. They're now 1-11 when the opposition makes at least 19 free throws. Miami is very good. They're now 7-0 and when they make at least 22 free throws. Miami ended up sinking 27 free throws, but it's a two-point game. That Those, those numbers, they're meaningful, but they're not so meaningful that it would have helped, or it would have prevented, I should say, the Hornets from winning the game had they knocked down one more three, and, and I'm not going to say that the Hornets played terribly because one more triple didn't fall for the Charlotte Hornets, who overall as a team shot better than 40% from deep, and likewise, I'm not going to say that Miami played perfectly or you know was so much better than Charlotte when, with all the advantages of going to the line 10 extra times, or making, I should say, 10 extra free throws, they could only win by two. But the foul disparity, it was something that stood out. From the stat line, because so many of the numbers are similar, teams shot essentially the same percentage from the floor, from three, from the foul line. It was the volume from the foul line that made the difference for Miami after the game. Miles Bridges on the fouling situation.
1: We just got to be better fouling. You know,
0: they got a lot of easy free throws. Free throws then are better than the layup. So. They did a good job of getting to the line. We just got to do a better job without fouling. They certainly did. I mean, I thought last night the best player on the floor was Terry Rozier. His three, four points got six of them from the line, but for the most part, it was clutch, tough shots. Jimmy Butler, eight of his twenty-three from the foul line. Still a very good game, but that's a, that's a pretty sizable portion there. A couple other guys, Jaime Hawkins, really strong game for the rookie. Eighteen points, six of six from the foul line. That certainly helped his numbers. And all told, twenty-seven of to thirty-four Miami from the charity stripe in that win last night over your Charlotte Hornets. So, Miami taking the victory. They again are now 13 and 10 on the season. Charlotte falls to 7 and 14 but it does feel like the hornets are starting to make strides towards the team they want to be and hopefully with better health will come even better results in some of these close ones and hey might even get a, a lopsided one in their favor for a change wouldn't that be nice charlotte takes the loss by two it's their first one possession game that they have lost all season still 5 and 1 a very good record in those situations so we'll have plenty of silver linings potential players to select from last night's game and we'll do that next here on the hornets i've cast Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. The Hornets I brought to you by Santa Silver Linings edition tonight. Hornets fell to the Heat 116 to 114. Rob, before we select our silver linings players, want to give due credit to a few Heat players who had excellent games. Duncan Robinson bouncing back from an over effort from the field. Said in the pregame, it's kind of scary when he goes Ofer. Like, really scary. I thought you were going to maybe announcer's jinx
1: that one, but I guess, you know, law of averages would say that couldn't happen again, I
0: guess. Uh, yeah. 24 points, knocked down five threes, had seven rebounds, Force's Really strong game for him. He led the Heat in scoring. Jimmy Butler, a good, not great game by his standards, about average, which 23 points, four rebounds, eight assists. That's a darn good average. That's just how good Jimmy Butler is. And the former Hornet, Caleb Martin, finished with 20 points. I thought the bench definitely had a big impact, uh, specifically Jaime Hawkins. 18 points. And then Kevin Love, a season-high 19 points. He knocked down four threes. He was really big for the Heat in last night's win. Charlotte, several great performers as well. Five finishing double figures. Uh, lots to choose from. Rob Longo, you get to select first your silver lining selection. I'm taking the easy
1: way out. That's got to be Terry Rozier.
0: Rozier around a couple of screens. Working on Martin. Steps to his left. Three on the way. It's good! Yeah! Thirty one point performance is eight three of the game, one possession game.
1: I don't even know where to begin with what Scary Terry did last night in the game. I mean, game high, 34 points, three off of his season high, 13 assists, ties a career high, 10 of 17 from the field, 8 for 13 from beyond the arc, 6 of 7 from the free throw line as well. I mean, he's just been on fire ever since LaMelo Ball has gone out with that injury First player in franchise history last night with 30 points, 10 assists, and eight made three-pointers in a game. In his last five games, he's averaging 28 points per game, 10.6 assists per game, a little bit over four made three-pointers, and he's shooting at a clip of 48, 47, and 92 I mean, that is just remarkable stuff from T. Rowe. I know sometimes when I do these silver linings, it's almost like a culmination silver linings, not just one game, but I mean, what he's been able to do over the last five games, six games, whatever that stretch has been without LaMelo Ball, it's just been otherworldly. And I know he's had to turn it up, and I know he's had to do this to keep this team afloat, but I mean, what he's been able to do, especially as of late, has just been remarkable.
0: Well, when, when you're a team, particularly one that hasn't made the playoffs in a while, and you lose your best player, you're not supposed to be like one game below 500 over that stretch. It's supposed to really damage unit. It speaks to how well Terry is playing. Five consecutive games of 20 or more, all of them with LaMelo Ball sideline due to injury. As you mentioned, the numbers are just out of this world. He's averaging close to 30 points per game in that stretch, better than 10 assists per game. I think it's third double-double of the season now that uh, he's come up with. Uh, second time in a row, third time overall that he's hit his career high of 13 assists. He's shooting much better than 40% from three in that span and has only missed two free throws over that five game stretch he's just been wonderful uh, not enough good things for us to say about him so let's let someone else do it Hornets head coach Steve Clifford on the performance last night from Terry Rozier it's every night he wants to win again tonight 39 minutes 13 assists 34 points I mean big shot after big shot hey look it's the number one thing you want to coach is you know he's a dependable reliable competitor there's nothing you can do to coach that you want a hard-playing team, you got to have guys like him. That's it. That's the way it works. So he kept us in the game. He made a couple in the fourth, like, tough, tough shots. But, you know, he's been doing that all year. He's been doing that his whole career. And to be clear, Terry Rogers is not the only guy on this team with superpowers. I think, you know, P.J. Washington, um, Brandon Miller... Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, when available, Mark Williams, you know, all these guys have had really good performances, but it feels like, particularly without LaMelo Ball, unless Terry Rozier puts forth a 20-plus point efficient shooting performance that the Hornets just aren't going to have a chance. I think it's feeling less like that now because the Hornets' depth is starting to shine through a little bit better, and they're in these games, start to finish a lot more, Uh, but still, who knows where they'd be without Terry Rozier. We'll have more on him in a little bit. Lots to choose from for silver linings. I do want to give a tip of the cap uh, to a couple other guys. Really, uh, Gordon Hayward, 17 points out there. Solid first quarter, really strong in the second half as well. Miles Bridges finished With 18, Nick Richards plugged into the starting role at center. Nice night overall, 6.6 rebounds. And then the rookie Brandon Miller. Look, he and Jaime Hawkins, in a certain manner of speaking, kind of went toe to toe. In my opinion, the top two finishers for Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. Hawkins' team gets the win. He outscored Miller 18 to 16 but just the way that you look at their stat lines, plus minus, that one went in favor of Brandon Miller. Uh, Miller made more threes, didn't go to the line nearly as much. I think that Brandon Miller really uh, equipped himself well last night. But he's not my silver lining selection. That would be P.J. Washington. Back to Washington. P.J. left alone. He'll drive up the middle for the lefty lane. Yes! it in a foul! Hoop in the arm, P.J. Washington looking for an old-fashioned three-point play. P.J., another really strong game off the bench here for the Hornets. He actually passed Nicholas Batum for seventh in franchise history for career threes. That's now number 497 that he has hit. For the Hornets. The replay there was actually a three-point play, which doesn't count, but it was still pretty cool. Uh, 12th straight game with a made three for P.J. Washington, and he I think is fitting into this role that the Hornets have for him now with a healthier roster, and he's doing it really well. They need a dependable scorer off the bench, someone who can score inside and out, who can stretch defenses, play small ball five. There's so many different boxes that P.J. Washington checks, and more often than not, he's going to be in the top five on the team in total minutes played and total shots attempted both of which he did in last night's game Uh, a couple other things he did well Really good rebounding, he finished with eight there, shared the ball well, three assists, added a block shot. I just think P.J. Washington overall had a very, very strong game. And it's the kind of night that if he can repeat over and over and over, I think the Hornets eventually will start winning more than they are losing. But last night it was a loss, 116-114 to 114 is the final score. Now, Hornets are still within two games of a top ten position in the Eastern Conference. And I mean, it's early in the season. There's more than 60 games left, so to be six games out of a top six spot, you can make up a game out of every 10 that you play if you're playing above 500 basketball. Which hopefully, if and when the Hornets are healthy, they will start doing routinely. But right now, uh, a loss, a silver linings result, seven and 14. Charlotte is now after taking the loss against division rivals Miami, whom. They will rematch again with tomorrow, and we'll have a game preview podcast for you then. But between then and now, there's one more thing we wanted to touch on, and that's some of the milestones met by some of your favorite Hornets. We will give you those next here on the Hornets I've Cast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets i brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets falling 116-114 to 114 against the Miami Heat, a close one, but there's much more to talk about than just the silver linings performances, it's some of the cumulative performances that several Hornets have put forth uh, over either their Hornets careers, over their entire NBA careers that maybe you might find a little surprising out there, uh, but I think they are worthy of celebrating here on the HHC. First up is Terry Rogier. In addition to his brilliance, leading all scorers with 34 points, career-high tying, 13 assists, there's a cumulative accomplishment worthy of celebration. He has now passed Muggsy Bogues for 6th in franchise history in career scoring. He has now notched 5,000. 561 career points. Muggsy Bogues finished his time with Charlotte with 5,531. So, 30 past it now is Terry Rogier with his 34 point effort. After the game, he was asked about it. You know, it was a quick comment, definitely disappointing in a loss, but I think based off what you're about to hear from Terry Rogier, he understands the magnitude of passing someone like Muggsy Bogues on any list having to do with the Hornets? Uh, you know, It's dope. It's dope. Hopefully I can keep climbing. Hopefully he can. Short, sweet, to the point, but uh, I think Terry, in a win, might have elaborated a little bit more. I know how much respect he has for Muggsy Bogues and what he means to this franchise. So again, meaningful that Terry moves beyond him on the franchise all-time scoring list. Then there's Gordon Hayward. Hayward had his streak of 20-point game snapped uh, at two, but still a strong, strong scoring effort. Ends up with 17 points, 7 of 12 shooting from the floor, 1 of 3 from beyond the ends up with six rebounds and seven assists as well. He has now moved into the top 250 in NBA history in career scoring. He's at 12,493 points. He passed a couple of big names in the NBA. Mark Jackson, who has become a great broadcaster, a great coach as well, and was a great player, former Rookie of the Year winner, as well as a one-time All-Star. And he passes Johnny Red Kerr, a three-time All-Star and one-time NBA champion on the all-time scoring list, moving into the top 250. So I... I kind of hesitate to put it this way because I don't want to compare accomplishments, but it's a podcast. we got to find an avenue to get to this. Rob Longo, is there one that stands out, means more to you, uh, or is it just as a whole that both of these accomplishments speak to the quality of these two players and what they've meant for this franchise and for this league, quite frankly?
1: Yeah, I think it just depends on how you want to look at it because any time you pass Muggsy Bogues for anything, then I mean, Muggsy is just such a a folklore legend in Charlotte basketball history and what he's done for this city and what he continues to do as an ambassador for this Hornets franchise. So that has its own praise in itself, but I think what Gordon Hayward has been able to do is just that much more impressive because when you look at Gordon's numbers, just the longevity and the ability to play double-digit seasons in the NBA is something that I think a lot of people take for granted, especially in the NBA these days because of the way that the roster turnover is just so frequent and so often. I mean, every other year you have guys coming in that are 18, 19 years old that are trying to fight for these roster spots and people that are kind of fringe players maybe get pushed away a little bit quicker than maybe back in other eras where it was more of a desirable ability by the GM to have maybe a junior or a senior draft pick out of college. You may be one of those guys that were a little bit older because they were more mature and they were more developed and they were ready to go out of college. Now it's a lot of development stuff. And if you ever want to get Steve Clifford on a tangent, just talk about the current state of the draft process in the NBA and he will give you a lecture for about a half hour or so going back to his old teaching days. But at any rate, the thing that with Gordon Hayward, is just the way he's been able to play for so long and despite catastrophic injuries and being able to weather the storm through that and still being a consistent player, player and still being able to score at a high rate because you talk about the way that he was able to pass Mark Jackson on the all-time scoring list to crack the top 250. Mark Jackson played almost 1,300 NBA games. He played 1,296. Gordon Hayward has passed him, and he's played 804 games. Now, I know Derrick Rose is up on the list next up for Gordon Hayward, and that might flip-flop the way that these two guys are still active in the NBA, but Derrick Rose has only done it in 712 games, so he's been definitely a high scorer as well. And And Derrick Rose is ahead of Gordon Hayward
0: right now. Minimally But he You never uh, know Former MVP Exactly
1: Exactly Exactly. And another catastrophic injury, unfortunately, as well for Derrick Rose. So yeah, I mean, you look ahead at some of the names ahead of Gordon Hayward and some guys that are retired that he might try to catch. A couple of Hornets on there as well. Del Curry is a little bit ahead of him in a couple of spots. Armand Gillum, who spent a couple of seasons in the Queen City as well, is ahead of him on that list too. So there are some active guys ahead of Gordon Hayward that he might not quite catch, but there are some guys that are retired ahead of him that he could certainly catch here too. And again, Gordon Hayward, even though it's season number 14 for him, he's still got a lot of left in the tank. If you needed any more evidence of that last night's game, 32 minutes, 17 points out there, seven to 12 from the field. And again, he's just been otherworldly here over the last couple of games or so. I know there's been a little bit of inconsistency, but whenever you have your top point guard, that's a facilitator out of the lineup and you have a guy stepping in like Terry Rozier and you're still able to produce That's saying something because without LaMelo ball on the floor, there's fewer guys that the defense have to really keen in on. And that's just the nature of, the process of the offense, but Gordon Hayward's still continuing to put up some numbers, so again, I know this is a really long tangent, but Gordon Hayward I think right now, when you look at it, just being a top 250 player scoring-wise in NBA history is a little bit more impressive than what Terry Rozier has done, and that's not to take anything away from T-Row. He's definitely going to climb that list a little bit more. I think Del Curry's on that list next coming up. Glenn Rice is on there as well, so he's got some other legends that he's going to catch. when it's all said and done. We're going to look back and see Terry Rozier's tenure at the Hornets. is going to be one that you're going to say man I don't think we appreciated that enough when he was here
0: knock on wood I've calculated it it's it's pretty clear Terry Rozier is going to be a top five scorer in Hornets history uh, in, in pretty short order here the rate that he has been scoring and, and that's quite the accomplishment but Charlotte has not had as many long-term tenured scorers that some other franchises have uh, basically Kemba Walker, Del Curry, Gerald Wallace, those are kind of the big three in scoring. I think it is very, very significant any time you pass Muggsy in anything, uh, up to and including block shots, quite frankly. I mean, like, anything you do that touches Muggsy... If Muggsy's you, on
1: that top list of block well, shots,
0: I'd be really impressed. I just mean, you know, you're you touching Muggsy, you're touching greatness. Like, that, that's what he means. He is such an iconic player in the history of the game. You know, he's part of Space Jam, for God's sake. I mean, he's everywhere in the NBA's history, and certainly in Charlotte's history, having given 10 seasons to the Hornets franchise. So if you pass him, you've done something significant. And I think that's what that means for Terry. I, I do believe he'll be in the top five in pretty short order for the Hornets franchise. But to be in the top 250 in the league, like look, you can get to the top 250 in Hornets history without passing a large number of multiple-time All-Stars. You can't do that for the top 250 in NBA scoring without having done so. And, and Again, the names that we mentioned that Gordon Hayward passed last night. He passed Mark Jackson, who is a known commodity to NBA fans all over the world right now for what he's done as a broadcaster and done as a coach. And for most, what he's done as a player as well, former Rookie of the Year, former All-Star. Johnny Redkirk is probably less familiar to fans today, but the second you look up his bio, you see, oh, the guy won a ring. The guy was a three-time All-Star. The guy was basically a walking bucket for over a decade in the NBA. Like, that's the kind of player you have to be to get this high on the list. And so I think Gordon Hayward's accomplishment, I hope, is celebrated quite a bit by Hornets fans, by NBA fans in general. He's got a long ways to go on this list. I think he's going to climb quite a bit, both this season and beyond. And we're not going to celebrate each and every name. You know, Next time he gets to a big round number, hopefully uh, sometime between now and the end of the season, we'll do it again. Um, But I think him hitting this milestone is worthy of celebration. And I would give it a mild nod, even though this is a Hornets podcast, and we have so much love and respect for Muggsy Bogues, but I would give a mild nod to what Gordon Hayward accomplished last night.
1: And to put it into perspective, there's been at least 4,374 people that have played at least one game in the NBA. So when you take them to the top 250 in that percentile, I mean, that is just, I'm not the math miner here. That's you. I'm not going to say what percentile of top players he is scoring wise in the NBA when you give that total number. But when you have already a elite company in terms of 4,300 people that have played the game of basketball at the professional level, and you're one of the top 250 scorers. I mean, that's again, that's rarefied air. You're basically in the top five percent of
0: go. of scores. Quick in math, NBA Sam history. Farber, human there calculator. So uh, we'll we'll look forward to celebrating many more here for Gordon Hayward. As you mentioned, there's some significant names in Hornets history that he is in striking distance of passing here over the, the course of this campaign, and we'll continue to mark those as we go. But fun to take a moment to examine some of the historical accomplishments by. I a couple of your Charlotte Hornets last night in a close call loss to the Miami Heat. These two will rematch again tomorrow. We'll have a game preview edition of the HHC for you then to get you ready for round two of the week, round three of the season between the Hornets and the Heat. Charlotte will look to be at least three points better in terms of the plus minus than they were last night in a 116-114 loss. Rob Longo, always good to talk to you. Thanks for joining me on this edition of the HHC. Pleasure as always. Can't wait until Friday when it's a winning edition and we talk again. I look forward to it. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.